Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of DN Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Ben Bumhoffer. How you doing, Ben? Well, hey, Ryan, I'm doing absolutely fan-freaking-tastic today, because I am excited, I am happy, I am pumped, I am stoked, I am a whole bunch of other, you know, positive energy filled adjectives and I'm raring to go. Uh, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing all those same things because we have an energy positive adjectiveded person. <laughs> and I just complete I was going to just repeat back what you said and it just it just got lost. That's, that's, that's just how it goes. That's uh, right. our hey, our buddy Jeff Reynolds is here with us tonight to chat some D&D. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is super exciting. I'm happy to be talking to you about a uh, a very fun game we've played recently. And uh, Parcheesi. You guys are awesome. <laughs> oh, uh, for those that don't know, Jeff is a player with us on Plus Five to Hit and recently just DM'd uh, his very first game for our Plus Five to Hit interlude where he took us through a Candlekeep adventure. So we're going to talk to him a little bit tonight about the... I've I've labeled this new DM debrief. Uh, Basically just a kind of a... How was was the experience... um, what are some tips and tricks that you kind of learned along the way? What were some of the pitfalls? Uh, what were the things you really enjoyed? What were the things you you know wanted to do better and that type of thing? Just to kind of give a, a brand new DM's perspective for those of you that are brand new DM's or that are looking to get into it. Um, and um, but, one thing oh, too, ahead, I just need to make sure that we throw this out here. Uh, don't feel that just because we played in the game that you can't speak badly about us. Because true. if we were a source of pain, I mean, that's definitely a very good talking point. Um, it, conversely, if we were really awesome and, and surprised you in many positive ways, you can tell us that, too. You know, either way, whatever. Just, you know, we're, we're here. It's all free form. So just, you know, just let it flow. 100 percent. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. And I'll tell you, just to start this all off, I mean, it was overwhelmingly you know this is like a rotten tomatoes um uh, rating system here it was overwhelmingly positive like i feel as though um i had a blast and i think a a little bit of uh background which might be helpful for folks that are listening here is i i have been playing DD for 15 years question mark like somewhere around that long um, but in a very limited capacity in the fact where I, I know what I like to play. I know the, the, uh, the types of characters I like to play, which, uh, spoiler alert are not casters. And so, which is a big part of the game. Like I like to play the whole barbarian warrior paladin. Like, you know, as you guys know, if you listen to plus five to hit, that's kind of my wheelhouse there. So, I mean, this was my very first endeavor into a lot of the rules of the game, which segues really back to what I was saying before having folks like you guys to play with who know the game better than I do. And to be able to have this sort of 
you know, understanding that I'm learning as we go and I have a lot to learn from all of the people that I'm playing with just made it an overwhelmingly positive experience for me. Good. That's that's super great. And I think that's really a if you're a new player or a new DM, uh, that's that's a really big thing to keep in mind is tr- always treat it as a learn as you go. Mm-hmm. It's you're never going to know all the rules. You're never going to get things 100 percent right. If you're in the moment and you have stuff going on, it's a lot of times better to just make a judgment call and then Either that's how things are going to be from now on because you're the DM and rules are flexible or you go back afterwards, check out a rule and go, oh, it's okay. We messed up. We'll just fix that for next time. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the things, too, is, uh, you know, talking about learning experiences. I guess, I mean, if you really think about it, I've been DMing my own game for two or three years now, I guess. I don't know. It's been like quite a while. I'm still learning so much every single step of the, of, of the day, of the way. I don't know what. Anyways, um, but like days can have steps yeah, too. Exactly. But uh, like every session that comes up, you know, either there's a spell I'm not familiar with or it's something I kind of have to figure out on the fly or, you know, um, work around with something. It, it's really one of those things where you have to be open to, you know, that that extra bit of information or or like ryan said just the the decision you make at that time and sometimes you turn something that was a mistake into something that's kind of works better for your table and is more fun and you know it it's one of those happy little accidents that can happen mm-hmm. yeah i think i think i know, very well said i think the uh the difference for me and growing up and being like a hardcore video gamer, which I know everyone on this uh, podcast currently is a hardcore video gamer. Um, But it's such a different world to live in to where you're able to just make stuff up, Mm -hmm. you know, and like in video games, you're constrained by the stuff that other people have made up. But when we're playing this game, it took me a while to get into the groove of the DM thing where someone's saying, can I do this? And I could literally just be like, sure, I don't care. Let's do it. <laughs> and that's so different than how, you know, these big structured playing World of Warcraft or going out and playing Skyrim or something where everything is so structured. It just feels good. It feels different. I like it. Yeah, that's that's super awesome. And that's and it, especially as a new player as well, when when it clicks for people that I can ask to do whatever I want that that's always the moment that's that's like the best for me mm-hmm. as a, as a DM seeing seeing people <laughs> kind of figure that out as well but let's uh let's kind of start at the beginning so you decided to do a pre-made adventure instead of a homebrew thing which most people will recommend uh if you're wanting to dip your toes into DMing uh pre-made adventures can make it a lot easier there's a lot of stuff already built for you um and you can just go in and kind of learn it uh what was your thought process there and why did you or what drew you to the candlekeep module that we did yeah so i it would be a lie if i said that candlekeep was not the catalyst for me wanting to do this entirely um, this was, you know, months, months, months ago when they announced Candlekeep and the format of it. And I just fell in love with the fantasy of Candlekeep, like the idea of mysteries 
inside of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. When I had played all of the Dungeons and Dragons adventures that I played before, there were many things that were going on inside of the campaigns I was playing. But just the fact that this was like a full fledged mystery built in to what in my mind at the time I thought would be like a one shot kind of idea, uh, which turned out to be, you know, much longer than a one shot because they're so uh, fleshed out and you can just there's tons of stuff going on in these these mysteries. And then so I, I Ryan, I talked to you about it right when they announced it. I was like. I really want to do this. Like I didn't, I we hadn't even read the book. There was no research to be done about any of it yet. I just really wanted to dive in. And to your earlier point, the fact that it had a spinal cord of creativity through it already to where I could kind of build off of that and not be so dependent on having to homebrew things that I didn't know, like casters again, or, Mm -hmm. you know, like coming up with all of these types of things that I really just didn't know anything about. The fact that I was able to really lean on what I knew would already be a good story, I think is, um, I mean, God, I can't even recommend it enough. The whole book, like I've read through a ton of it, and I think it's awesome for first time DM uh, people. You know, we really jumped into the deep end, though. And the only reason I was able to do that was because I had you guys to back me up. But we went with the level 10 mystery. For those of you that aren't familiar with the book, all of the um, mysteries in the book are specifically uh, catered to a level of D&D characters. And so uh, it goes one to, I believe, 17 or something crazy. And so I was like, I really want to play level 10. So we went in and we we jumped really in the deep end. But have you guys read the first couple mysteries? Because I feel like they would be really good entry level both player and entry level dm uh scenarios i haven't personally i i so i have the book on dnd beyond and i i didn't touch it at all just because i know that's um you know we have another player who is considering dming i think again this would be perfect for her to to kind of step in and, and and uh you know try her hand at it so I didn't want to go too far into it. And the only other one that I'm uh, familiar with is Candlekeep Destruction since we had Amy on and, you know, we were, we were talking about that with her. But from everything that I've seen. Oh, and also I am actually playing through one of them as well. I don't know which one it's called because we haven't finished it yet. But anyways, so I digress. Um, so I'm familiar with like, you know, a couple of them, but for the most part, uh, I haven't looked in too much and I mean, you you nailed it where these are great adventures for kind of dipping your toe in for, you know, trying something new out or just having like, you know, an extra little break uh, in your campaign. Like, you know, if you homebrew something and you're just like, I just need a break. Bam. Right here. You have something that's at level for almost every single level there. And they're a ton of fun to play. I mean, we've gone through one. I'm in the middle of another one and read a third one. Um, Yeah, I can't. I can't recommend it enough. And I mean, just the running of it was so masterful by you that it made me really like, you know, curious and excited to try out all the different ones that are in here, just because I know that the tones are different for everything. Um, you know, the, the setting the goals, everything is different. So it's just a treasure trove of just awesome stuff to kind of pull from. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I've, I've like like Ben said, I've read a few as well, but I've tried to mostly keep hands off of it um, because that's one of the things that 
it's like, oh man, I know people may be running some of these, especially because we probably will have more interludes in our podcast section and they're great like you know two to five session type things that you can run and so i didn't want to really spoil any of it too much for myself uh other than candle keep destruction as ben said we we both uh looked into that before amy came on um but as you mentioned this was this was level 10 so not only was this year really your first time dming you jumped in with these fairly powerful characters uh how did how did that go like how did how did that feel to jump in with these characters that could actually actually had a lot of tools at their disposal and how did the encounters from the book hold up and what did you learn over the course of those several sessions oh yeah i learned so much so i think this might be one of your later questions ryan but i think that one of my as I, if I put it in a, a nice way, one of my opportunities to improve as a dungeon master, which I mean, we all have, and that's what makes us all better as we move forward. And one of the things I really thought was a challenge for me at the start was the combat piece of it, not necessarily how combat works, which I mean, I learned a lot there too, but also making combat interesting, mm -hmm. right? And making it something that, you know, when you have a, a creature that has two attacks and that's all that they can do. And one of them is like, it needs to be recharged. And you're like reading this thing and you're just, you know, well, I guess I'm just going to do this thing again. Making that interesting for players. I think it was a challenge, even at level 10 to go back to your original question. Oh, yeah. I think that I was extremely intimidated to jump into level 10. Um, I feel as though when I read through the adventure to start, and that's something that I, I am so happy I did to start this. And, and my advice to everyone is become so incredibly familiar with what you're trying to do from start to finish. Don't just, I mean, I mean, that's why these little bite sized candle keeps are a perfect way to do this. If you go into Curse of Strahd, I, my recommendation would be you need to be so familiar for, with that from start to finish. But that's a little different, right? Because that's like a massive, <laughs> huge adventure that you mm -hmm. have to memorize basically uh, not verbatim but still memorize it so anyway sorry i digress when we go back when i go back to looking at this at level 10 becoming super familiar with what's going on and then getting into encounters and trying to hold up to this level 10 these player characters at the beginning i thought there's absolutely no way they're going to be able to beat this like, I'm looking at the way that this thing happens, and I'm like, there's no way. I met Ryan. You have a message from me in Discord that's like, dude, there's no way you can beat this. Like, I'm reading some of these encounters, and I'm thinking there's no way. But then the creative powers is what you really don't account for. And when you guys come together, you just steamrolled my first couple <laughs> encounters. And I had to plus it up, guys. I had to plus it up. Oh, you definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, that's one of the things that's, uh, you know, I've said it so many times on the show before is that I'm not great at balancing in combat. And the fact that the, you know, the, the adventure kind of gives you, you know, I guess the tools to kind of put that together, that still has absolutely nothing uh, going for it when you actually put it up against players. And, you know, you have to factor in dice rolls in there as well, because 
like when I set up a, a combat encounter, I look at it like, oh, they can put out this much damage. Like, here's the average. This is insane. But you have to actually hit. And, you know, there's so many different things that kind of mitigate that as well that, you know, you think you might wipe apart, you know, have a TPK in the first round or two when it, it, what actually happens is first round, they, uh, you know, are really creative what they're doing and kill your beholder before anybody gets a chance to go. It's, that still stings, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that it just happened. You know, it, you know, the player's creativity really plays into so much more into this so that, you know, things that are on paper just dangerous as heck are just perfectly fine as soon as it's like oh well then there's these two characters and they actually work really well together to kind of buff up each other and and you know really push that damage out and and get rid of everything so yeah we we've all definitely been in that situation where uh you know players come in just steamroll the first encounter you're like oh Okay, and especially with it, you know, kind of being your first uh, experience with these particular characters that we've created, you know, we're still learning what we can do. And then when things kind of click with us, it's like, oh, I can do that. Oh, this is going to be insane. Then, you know, it it just turns into this, this crazy instance of everybody being surprised at what actually is going on. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of thing that you have to account for in published adventures, especially in lower levels, not near as much. Uh, but once you start getting into that seven, eight level plus, uh, you have to know that published adventures can only do so much. They can't, they can't account for party makeup mm-hmm. and party size. And so you have to be cognizant of that because most I think most of the encounter guidelines are for like parties of four or five where we are a party of five. So we're on the higher end of that. And then it all depends on party makeup. I feel like we actually had a pretty rounded party as far as like damage, healing, melee range type thing. And so again, like what Ben said, what looks good on paper in an adventure, like a published adventure is not necessarily going to account for, especially at higher levels, party makeup <laughs> and all the different things they can do. So in some ways, as, as a DM, um, and Jeff, I'll kind of let you take this a little bit. You kind of have to adjust as you go, because uh, I know the first encounter we hit was uh, Wyverns. So how did it, what were you, what were your expectations for that? And because this was the very first fight we had, like all the character, none of the characters moves or anything happened before we hit that fight other than killing a guy. We'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> how did how did that go? And what were the expectations from that kind of coming in from the published side? Sure. The. uh you know, to be honest, at that point, we were one and three fourths sessions in like that was at the very end of our second mm-hmm. session. And I was riding on cloud nine because we were having a total blast and we hadn't had any combat yet, like zero. But we were, you know, just RPing the crap out of it. It was so much fun meeting these random people that we were just making that I was just making up on the spot. And we were just, you know, going and that it, I felt like we were going so strong. And I knew in my back pocket that at the end of what was going to happen here, that these wyverns were coming in and 
it's just a really freaking cool creature, right? And when I read this thing the first time, I'm like, oh my god, these are so cool with the poison stinger and like these abilities and all this stuff. And so, you know, I took the the time, and you know, hindsight is 2020, but I took the time to really set the that scene up. And I think that's where, to Ben's earlier point, where it just still stings. No pun intended <laughs> with the wyverns. Um, but it still stings because, you know, I was building this thing up, building it up, building it up. Three wyverns come in and just try to demolish the party and they just get stomped. I mean, I think we went two rounds of combat, maybe total. And this was this was noted as a deadly encounter in um, the encounter builder on D&D Beyond, which I would like to take a real quick sidebar on this. There is absolutely no way in H.E. double hockey sticks I would have been able to do all of this without the tools on D&D Beyond. Hashtag not sponsored. But honestly, <laughs> like honestly, there's no way that that thing is a godsend. Oh, so really and is. I'm sure you guys really have talked is. about it a million times, especially for new players. Like, honestly, yeah, everything you need is just right there. Anyway, that's a that's a sidebar, which I'm sure everyone knows about. But if not, go get it. Um. So anyway, yeah. So, I mean, it was it was definitely a kick in the pants. Uh, and when it was over, I, f- I couldn't help but feel I went out and talked to my wife after and was like, man, that just didn't feel as good as I was hoping it would feel. But then I I learned from it and I made it harder. Not that harder for the player characters is necessarily better, but I think there is a whole um What's the best way to describe it? Like a Dark Souls aspect to why we play games, right? You play it because it's hard so that you feel accomplished when you beat it. Mm -hmm. And then as a DM, at least in my mind at that time, being a new DM, is that I wanted you to feel like you had to work to beat it. I didn't want to beat you, which I think a lot of DMs out there might feel that way or at least people think i don't want to beat up on on player characters and stuff like that but i just wanted to make it challenging for you i wanted you to win uh but i wanted to make it challenging and so there are some encounters definitely later in the in the series where i was like oh this is already marked as deadly you know what let's two times this right now and then it turned out to be way more fun yeah and you know it's funny that you say that because the first time I ever DM'd it was way back in fourth edition, and I was constantly just fudging dice rolls and making sure that you know no one got too hurt because it's like, hey, we're here to have a game, you know, everybody, just, you know, I want everybody to have fun and stuff. And combat turned out to be just so boring because it was trivial; it didn't matter at all. And as soon as I started, you know, playing or DMing in in fifth edition with this system, I mean, it'd been years since I'd done it before. You know, I'm just like, look, the dice are going to roll how they roll. This is how it goes. Uh, when we first started playing, I, I did bring up, it's like, there's a chance your character could die. You know, there has to be some sort of risk in there. Otherwise, it doesn't really, you know, feel good. And while my my players are super overpowered, um, they're also running up against things and, you know, they're taking damage. They're getting hurt. And, you know, we've had, uh, you know, people, you know, get knocked out. They get up again, you know, never going to keep them down. But, you know, we're doing a great job of, you know, kind of balancing the combat a little bit better now. I still need to throw way more at them, though. And it, it's just that balancing act that, you know, 
I'm glad that you were really able to kind of get in there and figure out, especially during, you know, some of those later things, because we've, we had some just amazing combats where it looked real bad, except again, when players are involved just the tiniest little move or one decision can completely change the tide of battle. And I think that happened a couple times with us, actually. Like we, we were in some real dire straits a couple times. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, and I, I think we'll kind of we'll kind of go through um, a little bit of of like moments here soon. And just and just FYI, too, as we get into this, uh, we're not going to have any spoilers for the ending. Um, there will probably be some spoilers throughout. Uh, so make sure to kind of skip over that. If you want to go and listen, uh, feel free. Which we won't really spoil the ending it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was really good. Um, uh, first off, I kind of want to know. Uh, so you, you've already talked about needing to beef up the encounters, which as a, a, a in my experience, it's very much normal (laughs) for for a lot of things and it's great to test have your first or your second encounter run them by the book see how see how they do if it's a cakewalk then you know okay these guys can probably handle you know an extra monster or two or an extra step up or whatever and i think you did a really great job because uh like the middle the end stuff felt much more um fun and like i guess uh challenge worthy <laughs> i guess like, like more at and, level yeah yeah more yeah, at for level sure. for sure and so uh what else did you have about this just the um published module did you feel like you had to change uh just because it didn't work for you or just in response to things the players might have done Oh, wow. Yeah. What a great question that I wish that was easy to answer um, because there because uh, this group of players that we had are just in- extremely creative, which I could see the opposite of it being for players that maybe don't feel as uh, creative in the space or maybe haven't had the experience playing D&D. So I was very lucky to have that. Um, I, I, I think I'll answer it with I didn't change I maybe be sat with 90% of how the adventure is supposed to be played. The thing that I did though, is that I added probably 300% uh, to it. So, I mean, it's, and we'll probably go into this in a few minutes. So spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to it and do, do go listen to it because I'd love to hear feedback from everyone listening too. I think it's a great way to learn. And I know there's a lot of experts out there, but um, so yeah, you've been warned with spoilers. So um, moving into the entire, like, so the story basically is set up uh, with candle keep to the laboratory, to the cloud spire. And then at the laboratory to the cloud spire, they say, I mean, in the book, it literally says you should probably give your player characters an opportunity to shop. <laughs> I mean, but that's all it says. Right. And so uh, incredible. that's why I think that reading it back to front and just knowing that and, and then taking and running with that. Uh, and that's just one of many examples where I was like, you know what? We can probably do some really crazy stuff with this. So um, <laughs> to answer your question, I didn't change much. 
but I added a whole lot. Got yeah. it. So you basically took the bones of what was there and really mm-hmm. embellished upon it, which I assume uh, I was I was kind of wondering, like the whole ship in the church thing, uh, yeah. which was the shopping experience. I was just like. I bet he's he's. Adding his own spin on this. Oh, for sure. And, you know, the thing is that, uh, again, going back to just knowing it back to front, it sets up so many more payoffs, right? Because we learned in our adventure about the church in the first session Mm -hmm. and you didn't know what it was or what was going on. It's not in the book. We learned about it and then. It took four sessions after that before it actually paid off and we got to be there and to really feel that payoff moment of being at the church, um, which was the name of the ship. If you haven't listened to the podcast and all of that stuff was. uh, Yeah, it was just a ton of fun to come up with and to just draw off of experiences I've had and, you know, and, and make this thing up. I. And, you know, going back off of what we were talking about before of just making crap up, like. I didn't really know what type of spell might mind control people. I didn't even know if that was actually like something that was allowed in the game. But, you know, I just kind of said, you know what, whatever, we're just going to make make this up like it actually exists kind of thing. Um, And that all ended up playing out very, very differently than I thought it was going to. And you just (laughs) got to go on the fly. Well, that's. In, in something I, I'll throw in here, too, is the fact that oh, yeah, do it. Um, you were able to, you know, just kind of say, you know what, forget about the rules in this instant. I'm just going to do this because it just works this way. That's one of the best things you could have done, because, you know, it, well, first of all, none of our players are like super rule lawyers saying, like, what spell is he actually casting in order for this to happen? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's this overall magical effect of a thing that you just threw in there and. You know, we immediately went with it's like, okay, we're we're making a save against something. We kind of figured out, okay, it has to do with this dude. And, you know, how are we going to counteract this? How are we going to, you know, work with it? I think that's so much better than, okay, he is casting charm at fifth level on these four people right here. So that's, you know, it, it works better. It's more creative and it added a layer of fun and mystery to it that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, and and Ben, just to piggyback off of what you're saying here, uh, you had such a great, great moment that I think is really one of the highlights for me, which may not be for you guys. But when when we were in the laboratory and Rufus is just like, I don't know, I just wish for it to be here. And then I just <laughs> thought that was like the best thing ever. And I had this entire thing that we were going to do to get to where we were. And, you know, I was like, you know what? F it. We're doing it. It's here. You did it. It's here. Like, that is one of the best moments, I think, where it's just like, you know what? It was just so great and creative. And your guys' characters were all so fun. And the Illrigger was so fun, which I think we'll we'll probably get into that, Ryan. But, um, but yeah, it, it, I, I agree with what you said. Well, it's Bye. funny because it, since that's the way that it summoned it there, it added so much more to it as well because – it's this magical thing. And it just, it, it yeah. played on top of it even more so because of that. So that was, I personally think that was a really great idea. It, like you, you totally played that off extremely well. So. I think, I think it was, it's, it's a really good example of two things 
that are absolutely crucial to learn as a DM. One is foreshadowing. Uh, as you foreshadow things, you can build these things up in the background. You can hint at them. You can like maybe give a, a sneak peek here and there. And then when the final reveal comes, it means so much more to your players because, oh, we've heard about this or we've seen little bits of this or we've seen the effects of this, that or the other. And so that, like just that in general is such a huge DM skill because instead of then instead of you just going, oh, there's this thing and people shop there and they're mind controlled to, to buy a bunch of stuff. And we found it after the laboratory. We're getting hints. We're getting drops. We're seeing the effects mm -hmm. of what it's doing to people bef long before we actually get to that point. So that's that's super huge. And that's a great example of, of a DM skill that you should use. And then the other thing being flexibility. This mm -hmm. is one of those things as a DM, never, ever get too attached to a single idea or a single event or a single thing happening because there's a decent chance that your players will offer you unknowingly, usually to them, an opportunity to do something better. Whereas like, oh, we've got this whole thing we're going to do to get to the ship. Something Ben says just makes sense. And you go, that's actually, that actually would be way cooler than what I was going to do. Boom. That's real. It's the same with the spell. Like you described it, you've built this up. And by the time we got there, we don't care if it's a real spell or not, mm -hmm. because we know foreshadowed that there's something really funky going on with mind control and stuff. And there's this, this crystal and there's this song and dance and whatnot. And, <laughs> and so when we get there as players, we are totally sold on, there is some kind of mind control that is happening mm -hmm. on this. We're most likely going to have to try and make some sort of save against it at some point. Doesn't matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, all of that is extremely well said. And that's what I learned as we did as we went through all of this. The the flexibility being one of the biggest pieces of it. And also I think what really helps with something like a candlekeep mystery is that you're able to be flexible because the stakes for your party are so high. The stakes for your players are so low. Yep. Because you can die, it doesn't matter. Like you're going to go back to your, you know, your, your overarching campaign that takes five years to play, you know, uh, curse of Strahd down the line. And you're going to like really, but that's why your players are more invested in, uh, something like Candlekeep or your, uh, the characters are cause you're like, oh, I have to build this character so fast. And it's, it's just, a, it's a completely different experience. So I feel like if you're DMing something like this to start, also, you're th or at least I was thinking like I can be as flexible like we should just be flexible because there's mm -hmm. the stakes for us as uh, players are, are lower than they would normally be. Exactly. And the fact that we did run it as an interlude is like the perfect example of that, because while I absolutely fell in love with my character, I think he's amazing. 
Um, <laughs> I still didn't want to lose him because, you know, like I had, I, I was able to make that connection really quick just with that first intro that you had us with, you know, when, when we're, we're doing a drinking game, you know, it just starts off just in a tavern. We're having fun, just doing a game. All of us just kind of really kind of, you know, figured out who we were in that first 20 minutes of how are we going to react to this adversary, excuse me, this adversary in front of us just, you know, it, it was perfect. It was a great way to start because we were able to introduce ourselves to each other, to ourselves, to you. And based on that tiny thing, we were able to build up with your help just going forward from there. It, it worked out so well, yeah. so well. Yeah, that was I, I think. <laughs> I, I have to heap more praise on it. Uh, so j- for those who haven't listened, so we started off just in a drinking competition in this tavern mm-hmm. uh, right before we went to Candlekeep with our book. And it was an absolutely amazing introduction, not just to kind of like get everybody kind of in the groove and have something, you know, fun and, and, you know, low stakes, quote unquote, but it also gave us as players a chance to find our character voice, not not necessarily, you know, like an actual voice, although some of us, some of us <laughs> do actual voices, but more just like the the personality and the 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 demeanor and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a perfect scenario for you to find that type of voice for your character. So it worked out really well because by the time we exited that tavern and we're heading to Candlekeep, even though all these characters had technically been together for a while, the players had no idea who these characters were. And by the end, by the time we left the tavern, everybody had at least somewhat of an idea what type of character they were, they were playing with. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, um, it's amazing to hear that you guys enjoyed that because that was so much fun to to DM. And, you know, if you go online, which I did and, and researched all of this and, and, you know, try there are thousands of different, you know, homebrewed drinking mm-hmm. games and things you can do. And, you know, kind of I, I formulated the Voltron of drinking games, which I thought would be, you know, like <laughs> taking the little pieces of all these fun things. And maybe a little bit of my own drinking experience, wink, wink, and uh, (laughs) brought it into the game. And I think from a DM angle, it was such an icebreaker for me. And again, it took courage for me to, and I'm an outgoing person. It took courage for me to step into this and be like, okay, I'm about to play seven different characters. (laughs) Like in the first five minutes of my very first DM ever. Like, you know what? YOLO, Swagasaurus, we're going in. (laughs) And like, I just, and you know, after five minutes and playing with you guys, I was like, this is actually working out. And to, and to your point, uh, Ben, having the characters have an NPC to play off of and with Mm -hmm. what Ryan is saying, build their characters off of like, Oh my gosh, there were such great interactions going on with, you know, Suspira and Seal. Seal was like a bounty hunter, like, and building this, this relationship. And I'm just making up everything that's happening on the other side of his table or her table and going through all of this. And I'm like, this is so great to kind of build that backbone. I feel like 
I am really having a great time. I mean, honestly, it, it, and it was also pretty entertaining when we uh, lit the orc on fire and he uh, <laughs> flew to the other side of the room. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's that was that was all great. And so I, I think that that'll be a good transition into characters. So what did you think of the characters that we played? How did you handle it? And as Ben commented in our show notes, were we horrible to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. And you know what? I, I can say that um, unbiasedly, I think, because uh, we've been playing together for quite some time as players. Um, I'll tell you what. The characters were awesome. I think when you get to level 10, there are challenges that a lot of people want to, um, at least from what I've read and researched, multi-class and triple class and quadruple this thing and do all these crazy things and like do all this stuff. And I'm really glad that in our group, we didn't go super hard in that direction to make it uber complicated. We had some really intriguing in-depth, you know, class building and there was a lot of really great stuff ben your character specifically like a lot of really cool necromancy stuff was in there and we learned as we went um so to answer your question ryan no it was it was a dream to play with you guys it was super fun again outside of the actual characters leaning on you guys for being able to learn the game as we went was really fun but the characters themselves we're awesome. And, you know, we had a plethora of different types of people playing in our group, too. You know, uh, super experienced players and then players that were like me and, and new, new in this world. And we're all learning together. And the character um, development for some characters was different. Some was slower. Some was super fast. Some was, you know, and, and so I I just feel like we we gelled really well and and the characters themselves were were really great. Now, did it throw you off that we kind of started uh, with an evil party? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think we talked. So that's another thing that I wanted to say. I think this goes under the, you know, if you had a column for pros and a column for cons <laughs> about what happened. And then there's that line that runs right in the middle. I think one of the things that would go right on the line in between the two is the fact that we didn't do a session zero. We didn't talk to each other about the characters. And, and, you know, I will caveat this with we did set we have a group ground rules, right, which I think are is one of the most important things playing this game, in my opinion, is sitting down with your group, establishing what you want out of this game, what your expectations are, and also what your boundaries are, because we're all different people and we should be able to respect each other in that in that fashion. So we had already done that before in our previous campaign, so we didn't need to do that here because we basically sat down and I said, listen, all the guidelines we've been working with before, we're going to work with from now on. But we didn't sit down and learn each other's characters really well or sit down and say, okay, Ben, how do you and Ryan's character know each other and like build all of this out, um, which is really great to do. And we just didn't have time because <laughs> we're all super crazy busy. And uh, that's why it goes on pros and cons, because the pro there is that we played with a super creative group that was able to say, you know what? We're all going to be evil. We're just going to do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that would be hard for some groups, right? And then the con to that is that if you're going to do that and you don't have that group, then you have to sit down together and say, okay, how? Mm-hmm. And in our group, we didn't have to say how, thankfully, because again, it was just a time sort of thing. And we were trying to, you know, just get this thing up and running. But I think that it, it could go either way and neither way is wrong on how, how you step into that. I mean, for the most part, we weren't mur- murder hobos, which is a plus. Not all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's super funny. We can, we can talk a little bit about that now. It's, it's super funny because um, especially if it's the first time you've done anything like an evil campaign, I personally would highly, highly, highly recommend you do not do it as a long term. No. These little, these little, like a one shot, these little mini, mini campaigns are great to try it out and see if it fits with the way you DM, see if it fits with the way your group does or can play. Uh, Some people can be more flexible than others. Some people have a lot of trouble playing evil characters because as Ben just mentioned, evil campaign does not just mean you go murder everyone. Evil characters have their own goals and ambitions and and whatever as well, and even rules um, and and morals. And so it's it's being playing an evil campaign does not just equal all right. We're going to go try and kill everybody and take over everything. No, it's it's can it's it can be, and I would personally say should be more nuanced than that, but. Jeff, you not only did you DM for the first time with with a brand new module at level 10 with <laughs> with everyone was just like, let's do evil. That sounds kind of fun. Well, to and be this, fair, you fed that. It, it, it was kind of my fault. <laughs> I, I, I will take responsibility for that. It was kind of my fault because not only did Jeff okay all of that he also okayed me playing a completely custom class albeit this is this is a published class from mcdm which is a very fairly reputable third party 5e publisher they do play testing and all that sort of thing um but this is it was a very specific character that i wanted to play and ill riggers um, which is a full new class are essentially knights of hell and so when I when I threw that out there, uh, I was just like, so I'm lawful evil, guys. And I think it was Ben who was just like, maybe everybody's evil. Yeah, it, it made sense to me. You know, if we're running around with this knight from hell, everybody's got to have some sort of bad thing going on you know, in some way. And, uh, you know, I will say that if you are going evil, in my opinion, like some sort of lawful evil way is kind of the way to go because it puts you on some sort of code. It gives you a goal. It gives you a set of morals and principles, albeit a skewed from, you know, like moral ground, but you have your, your thing that you're kind of working towards. And it's not just, I'm going to go in the town and I'm going to rob this guy and I'm going to kill them. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to set fire over there. And you know, you're not just like this, random Tasmanian devil of chaos going on. You actually have a plot in a thing that you're going for. Like for me, it took a little while to kind of really, you know, dig down and figure out what I was all about because like, well, I'm a cleric. Okay. I'm going to go with a grave cleric where I'm looking at, you know, life and death and everything. And then 
that's how I was able to kind of come up with my idea of I'm just going to make the barrier between life and death go away. That's my goal. This is what I'm working towards. And because of that, you know, I don't look at death as a bad thing. I don't look at life as a bad thing, but if someone dies, okay, whatever. I'm not seeking it out for other people or something. You know, it just, it, it made sense for what I was trying to play because I had those guidelines kind of in place. And mm-hmm. since you were, you know, lawful evil to begin with, you obviously had that in there as well. And because of that, we have our own, you know, a skewed version of principles. It made the campaign actually work really well. And, you know, everybody else kind of had their own thing that they were working towards. And I mean, everybody knew that, yeah, we're, we're traveling together and doing stuff, but each of us has our own different goals and it worked out really well. Uh, it's certainly not, it's certainly not an idea or a <clears throat> group that I would trust to any, any group I played with. I think, I think especially doing some sort of an evil campaign requires some amount of trust between mm-hmm. players to know that, um, there still has to be party cohesion. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not like you can't just go off and do your own thing constantly. And that's why playing a chaotic evil character just in general would be very, very hard to pull off and pull off well enough to still fit into a group setting. But because the way we planned it out, I, and Jeff will, I'll let you take this, but I think, I think it ended up working out pretty well, but what did you, what did you think of that as just the evil campaign as a concept just going in there? And what did you think of the the custom class (laughs) that we'd never played before? Oh man. You guys remember (laughs) the first time you ever walked into Northrend and you just like walked (laughs) in, in the game and you're like, holy smokes. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, this is going to be killer. Right. And that sort of lingers for quite some time, you know, and that's how I felt during the campaign where I'm learning about the ill rigor, which is awesome. You can hear it in my voice in the recording every time (laughs) Ryan is like, well, then Destris is going to force choke this guy basically and drain his soul i'm like do it do it do it it's so cool do it and 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 so like stuff it's like turning over a new page in this crazy massive encyclopedia of DD where you've never heard of this thing before and then also i have never played in a campaign that had evil characters either so it was doubly so that this all was happening right and so oh man it it ended up turning out so much better than I had ever hoped for in the end. It ended up turning out so good and just having a great, you know, just a great everything. I mean, I just, I loved it. I thought, I thought that playing with you guys. And here's the other thing I play in a, uh, a star Wars um, RPG and in a uh, tabletop RPG. And in one of the first sessions that we played, uh, one of our characters was playing a Jedi and the Jedi turned to one of the player characters and for lack of a better way of saying it, cast mind trick on them, Ooh. like on another player character. And we stopped the game because half of the group was like, 
wait a minute, you can do that? And then, you know, the DM and we talked it out. But it just felt like crap that they were able to just control us because half the group was like, why don't you just play my character too then? Like, and yeah. so uh, th- the reason I'm talking about this is because of going off of what you guys are saying about player trust. So I can't say that it will be successful for you, but I, the players that I had and what we did and we had this trust and, you know, the fact that, you know, Destris isn't, you know, uh, force choking uh, Rufus to death, I mean, is something that uh, made it super fun. And I think it worked. So were you surprised that you had two characters who really wanted to te- uh, taunt and fight a dragon? Yeah. And then two other characters that talked it down. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the, the dragon encounter was also very interesting. Um, that was one of the first times that in combat, you guys started metaing me a little bit, which I think was, and I'm using that term loose, very, very loosely mm-hmm. where we were trying to find out what type of dragon it was and how our backgrounds and how you know the race that you know you guys were playing and how that affected the way that you were able to combat this dragon and stuff and so i wasn't really prepared for that um i told the truth about everything that's in the story but if you guys had said oh because it's a bronze dragon i get to do this thing i would have totally been like uh okay (laughs) like uh and and what's funny is that, you know, Ashkrolith, the name of the dragon that you guys encountered in the in the um, laboratory, has a shootload of um, layer uh, additions to his uh, character sheet for fighting in his lair and stuff. And so that <laughs> encounter could have been very different than when you guys ended up, you know, just absolutely murdering him out in by the church. Um, so that, that was interesting. And, you know, the role playing a dragon was really fun. It was, it was very interesting. That was some of the highlights for me were absolutely the role playing pieces of it. Well, overall, um, what do you think was your biggest challenge that you faced, you know, from first session to last session, um, anything that just, you know, snuck up on you or just, you know, you, you just weren't prepared for. Oh yeah, tons. Um, they we always joked around. Even a few times in the in the show, we joke around about it being a, a yes and improv class, right? And sometimes you really don't want to say yes <laughs> because if you say yes, it's like, oh my gosh, I see my entire week of free time going away because I'm gonna have to prepare this all for next oh, time, no. right? And then it don't it doesn't even happen, right? <laughs> and that's the common thing that you hear from all all dungeon masters, I think, and that's part of the uh, the uh, pleasure and pain exercise of being a dungeon master. But I was definitely not as prepared for RP and combat as we talked about before. I really think that I I lacked that specifically at the start and got a little better as we went. But um, yeah, I think we just combat, I think I would say, would be my answer to that. And I still think that if I went back and no no spoilers for, for anything that happens at the end of this, I have replayed that encounter in my head a few times and there are so many better quote unquote things I could have done. 
order of operation things I could have done that would have made it harder, more challenging, and maybe ultimately more satisfying for the player characters. And I I think about that and I go, oh, crap, I could have done this. I should have done that. So combat is what really irks me. Well, I I will say that's one of the hardest pieces, honestly. Yeah, Uh, I will say this, though. I was very satisfied with that final combat. I I think it actually (laughs) played out really well. That's good. I I had maybe someday we'll retcon it and play it again. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually satisfied with most of them. Yeah. Like, like you were saying yourself, I think the 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 first combat was the weakest one, mm-hmm. and but, it just got better from there. But like the, the thing is, even though it was the weakest combat, like um, you know, challenge wise, it still worked really well for us because I think it established our characters as these powerful characters, which is what they should be at level ten. Oh, so totally. it, it worked out you know, in your favor that we were able to just kind of wipe the floor with them and, you know, just walk up and be all like wyverns. Okay, cool. Well, in, in some ways it was a great, and and I think kind of just going back to this from, from a DM perspective too, this is not necessarily a, a bad thing from a DM perspective because we had, most of us have never played the characters that we played. Uh, and we certainly have not played them at that level. Mm-hmm. And so having an initial combat that actually isn't too complicated, that there's really not a ton of danger of us dying from is not a bad thing at all because it lets us figure out our characters and abilities mm-hmm. just from a combat perspective. Cause there's like level 10, like just jumping straight into level 10 again, wouldn't necessarily recommend it if you're a brand new DM with brand new players, um, because there's, there's a lot going on to level 10 characters, but even uh, a lot of us with experience jumping into a level 10 character, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to, to figure out. So having a combat where you can just kind of, okay, I'm going to try this out, see how it works, or I'm going to see if I can make this work well, or let's, let's test this, that, or the other is, is not a bad thing at all. Yeah, I mean, just to give you an idea, I had uh, 15 prepared spells as a cleric uh, with five cantrips, <laughs> and that's a lot to kind of, you know, choose from to do, as well as I had a couple magic items that could do things, as well as just a basic attack. So, yeah, there is a lot going on just on my character at level 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's... Before before we kind of wrap things up, let's let's play let's play top three. Okay. Top three most unexpected things that happened. Oh my. From okay. a DM perspective. The lighting the orc on fire on the first session <laughs> from the Candlekeep Carnage was a nat one against I believe you rolled a nat twenty. <laughs> like in that same encounter. And I was like, something really crazy has to happen here. That's one of the uh biggest surprises uh that had happened there uh another thing was i was really thinking that you would fight ashgrelith in the in the um in the laboratory i thought that that would definitely go down specifically considering everything that that had happened before me too Um, and i and i i want to kind of interject because that's a great example of flexibility going with the flow and not going this has to be a combat encounter Mm -hmm. Like the players came up with stuff. They came up with conversation. They rolled really good 
checks on things. And so I think as a DM, you did an, a fantastic thing and said, okay, even if the book says this is a combat encounter, they did really well talking and chatting and intimidating this yeah. dragon. So we, this will now be a social encounter and not a combat encounter. And, and it was great. And I mean, it, it played out really well. And uh, so, and I really enjoyed it as much as, you know, we all wanted to see that combat play out. <laughs> Eventually we did see it, but um, not in the way as it was intended. And then the third uh, thing I can't talk about, yeah. but th- those are the, those are the three things. Cause you have to listen to the last episode, but the third is the you, number one. You will know what we are talking yeah. about. That but if I have to pick to one to fill that spot, I would say the silence of Mr. Hartley, where I had no <laughs> idea that was even a thing, A, that you could just create an orb of silence. And B, I was like, F, that's exactly <laughs> what stops all of this stuff. Like, how <laughs> genius is that? Uh, how oh, yeah. genius is that? Ooh. And I, I just remember thinking, bravo. Like, Thank like, you. Thank you. Oh, that's a very very well played yeah, very, those very are my three there i gotta say one of the best things about being a cleric is having access to all of your spells but then choosing what you need for the day and i had to make some really tough decisions uh, a couple times during the the four or five sessions that we had especially before that last session uh, that was really tough but, uh, you know, when once I, I found out that, oh, OK, well, people are getting charmed and stuff, it's like, oh, it's probably some sort of thing I can maybe silence and see what, if, if that'll work. It was brilliant, dude. It was so good. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, and so so those are kind of your unexpected ones. What were your like favorite? What were what ha- what were your three that were just like, that was a great interaction. That was a really great move. That was a really great piece of RP. Absolutely. I already talked about one of them, which was when Rufus said, I just wish I just want it to be here. Yes, <laughs> that, that was so one, of, one of my favorite so uh, pieces. Um, I really liked the uh, the interaction, believe it or not, in the first uh, episode when, um, you know, and this is probably because, uh, you know, see all the characters sitting at the table and is a bounty hunter. And I think I talked about this a little bit earlier. And it's just, I had created this vampire, uh, half-elf vampire that was playing the drinking game against Seal across the table. And just the fact that Seal leaned into that and, like, that character, I, I, I just really liked that encounter uh, with Brandon. I thought that was really good. And then... Um, I, I loved all of the uh, so there was one part where I had you guys deafen and uh, mm-hmm. I was talking uh, to uh, one of the characters as the genie and like doing all the stuff. I really liked the genie um, RP between us and the genie. I thought that was really fun and just like a cool thing that you don't normally get to experience. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was fun, too. So. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And you even had a fun little voice modulator yeah, for the technology Gina voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's that's it's just like that's 
there's a lot of fun things you can do, especially online. And so, yeah, if you have the time and the resources uh, and want to use the extra tools to your disposal, uh, you used Albert Rodeo for your virtual tabletop. Totally free, very easy to use, very easy to jump into. Uh, you used basically just a voice modulator software to have a interesting and i i remember the look on everybody's faces the first time you turn that on and you're just like oh, i am an old powerful genie and everyone's <laughs> like whoa what happened and so that oh, was it was, was great fun. yeah it was it's it was super great yeah all the tools again dnd beyond is the, is the, is amazing albert rodeo if you're getting if you're new into this and you know one of our players uh has the full candle keep module in roll 20 and offered to allow me to use it and i was just intimidated by it because i have so much going on for a new dm i was like i can't i can't i need to just do something that's super simple and owlbear was perfect for that and of course i got that off of all the research i did on youtube and mm -hmm. you know uh lazy dms and all that stuff that i was researching to kind of build up this world so there's a lot of resources on youtube that can help you out with that too good yeah that's awesome any anything else ben any other comments questions um just thank you it, it was a, a yeah. blast to play i had a it ton was. of fun uh ryan thank you for being a crazy ill rigger that was pretty great too and you know i gotta say the synergy that we had worked out really well <laughs> lots of fun it, it it did that that's why i have to just i have to brag on our group a little bit because uh we play off each other really well yeah. and a, a lot of a lot of the interactions that we did were completely off the cuff and everyone rolled with it oh yeah no pun intended uh like really well and just played off of oh yeah someone said this or this person did this thing that must be normal even though we haven't hadn't ever talked mm -hmm. about it it was like the the first time my character just got annoyed with someone and drained the life out of them <laughs> because like this this random person was singing and wouldn't give us any information and he just got super annoyed and just and just drained the dude and everyone's just like oh man Destris just getting annoyed again <laughs> and rufus is just over here going oh nice it's a new friend it's a new friend yeah <laughs> and like just that whole interaction just was so like smooth and natural and it's it, that's just a testament to the group well, and itself. you know, talk about learning about your character as you're playing it. I had no idea that I was going to be as necromatic as I was, except as soon as I raised that guy, I'm like, I'm going to collect them all. They're all Pokemon to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just. And just Jeff on the DM side, because there were several moments like that from different people just having to deal with. Oh, this NPC I just made up is dead now. <laughs> like i didn't yeah. know if you're gonna do anything with it or not <laughs> I, it, was, I, it was really funny and oh uh look we have a cleric who can speak with dead afterwards so you yeah, got that i, I love you. that i i loved it and that's uh that's again uh i was learning the whole time there were tons of times where i said and what does that do like i had no idea <laughs> what these spells you guys were casting were doing and you know uh yeah, it really just boils down to the fact you have to 
in my opinion, you have to just allow yourself to get weird. Mm-hmm. Like you have just have to allow yourself to have fun. And it's harder for some people I know because I used to be like that too. And then when you do and it loosens up and you're with the right people who are also, you know, uh, trusting and vulnerable and you're just playing this game together, it just makes it so much more fun. So and and that's a testament to to you guys as well. Thank you for walking me through this, for putting up with my story, for doing all the uh, all the fun stuff that we did. And I, I will remember this as uh a very positive uh rotten tomatoes rating for myself of uh how it is to run your first D adventure and also thank you for having me on the show guys you guys are rock stars oh thank you well You're welcome thank you i for one cannot wait till you dm again yeah count me in that was that was super fun and i'm i'm really excited to kind of round robin it on that show mm-hmm. uh, oh for sure as we as we do different interludes because and that's that's the wonderful thing about D and D. It's all DMs have their own style. They have their their own thing that they do, um, and their own reactions to the players and such. And just remember, all your D and D game D and D games are uniquely yours. Mm-hmm. Like this experience we had, no other group will have that. No other group that plays Candlekeep will have that experience. We have something that's uniquely our own. But at the same time, that goes for your D&D games as well. Like those games with your group, no one else will have those experiences. Mm-hmm. No one else will have those stories. They are uniquely yours. And I think that's just in like recapping and talking about this. That is literally one of my favorite things about this game. And the thing that keeps one of the things that really keeps pulling me back time and time again is just these unique stories Mm -hmm. definitely all right well i think uh i think that's about it uh jeff again thanks so much uh for coming on it was great picking your brain and kind of hearing about the the trials and tribulations of (laughs) new dming uh as as you've gone uh is there any any specific things you want to promote oh yes well your twitter for sure yeah, uh, you, you can follow, follow me on Twitter, although I don't tweet. It's um, at Mr. Jeff Reynolds. <laughs> um, but there's a there there are some old tweets on there. But the big <laughs> thing is, <laughs> you should listen to Plus Five to Hit. It is so fun. It's silly. It's great. We're going back to our uh, we're going back to our um, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden campaign. Uh, it's we have an awesome group of player characters and an awesome DM in that group too. Check it out and listen listen to uh listen to all the shenanigans that ensue. Uh I think there'll be some fun things coming up. Very much so. Yeah. Um as always, we also have some community stuff we want to shout out. Uh first, uh as many of uh listeners would know, we had Amy Vorpal on as a guest uh, a few episodes ago. She was super awesome and she did talk a little bit about a Kickstarter that she was going to be doing uh, that is out now. Uh, and you can actually go back at it. Uh, Behold Her Dreams, the musical, <laughs> the musical soundtrack, uh, D&D, uh, all things written by and um, performed by Amy Vorpal. And we'll have the link to that in the show notes, of course. But if you 
liked uh, the stuff she was talking about. If you're interested in more of her stuff, she is an amazing performer, uh, an amazing actor and uh, an excellent musician too. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's, she's all ukulele all the time, which is super fun because I actually, I actually do ukulele and uh, she's so much better than me. (laughs) at it uh but it is it is funded now so if you want to check that out again we'll have the link to that uh also uh, i think we talked about this at one point in the show but the combat wheelchair by mustang's art just got its v3 release yeah and so extensive core rule updates 14 subclasses a whole new class and Matt Mercer's Blood Hunter upgrades catalog NPCs, a short story, tons of extra artwork. Like uh, they just put their heart and soul into this, uh, into this supplement. It's completely free. We will have uh, the link to that tweet that's announcing it. So you can get it from the source uh, in our show notes. Um, And it's got a lot of stuff for helping if you want to put a character like that into your campaign or play a character like that Mm -hmm. in a campaign. So definitely check that out. Tons of hard work has gone into it and there's some really cool stuff in there. Definitely. Yeah, no, we, we definitely talked about it before and I I love it. I'm so happy it's in there. And uh, like Ryan said, we'll have a link. Um, I don't know if the previous link will actually link to this new updated version i maybe maybe not but regardless the show notes will have the tweet that has the link to the google drive yep and then uh as always before we go we always like to talk just a little bit about what's going on in our campaigns and jeff i know (laughs) i know that the penultimate thing is the one that we really can't talk about since that's probably the last uh the last one you were you were involved yeah with. That, that's listen if you want to know what's going on in my campaign <laughs> i don't the last episode's not out yet right it's coming Ooh. soon coming soon coming oh, soon wow. it'll probably, it'll probably be wait. out shortly after this episode listen and we promise it won't be delayed and delayed and delayed like um top gun so which just recently got delayed again i saw that for the fifth or sixth time yeah guys that's that's tom cruise movies are my guilty pleasure anyway let's move to the next next person (laughs) nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that (laughs) you know you know why don't you just give us like just a tiny like mini summary tell us about star wars oh star wars you mentioned that because that's your your tabletop game not not the whole like movies and stuff people can find that elsewhere (laughs) one through nine (laughs) <laughs> recap so i i my star wars campaign is is really fun the thing that makes star wars uh challenging and fun is that it's a galaxy right i mean you can go anywhere you can do anything so the the dm has a really fun rule where you know I, you guys have probably talked to and heard about this before being seasoned players but the whole i know a guy rule mm-hmm. so we're we're in these i know a guy situations where it's like we need this certain coaxium fuel to do this thing and somebody in our group's like well i know a guy and so <laughs> that that's been really fun in that campaign and also i'm playing a character who is from a vacation planet that i made up kind of 
of like the Bahamas of vacation planets. And he's addicted to spice. And also he smokes a cigar. And his goal, like his subtextual goal for the entire campaign, is to have a friendly bar on every planet. To where he can go in and they know his name. And his name is Rez. And that's my Star Wars Oh, that's great. That's amazing. That's a that's I a good character. It. I like that. That's actually a yeah, perfect I, arc. I've been playing him for quite some time, and he's a ton of fun. <laughs> that's cool. That's awesome. Uh, ben, what about yes. what about you? Oh my gosh! So uh, last we 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 spoke, uh, my players had uh, basically been hired to go find some artifacts from a, uh, a dwarven archaeological dig site that were stolen by some hobgoblins. So, you know, they they got on their magical horses, rode out to uh, where the the wagon was jumped, followed the trail into this cave, found a a, cave, or a, a little campsite uh, inside. No hobgoblins anywhere. They did come across some um, clinging to the, 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 the cave wall. A Bahir was just kind of sitting right there who essentially, you know, ate, ate the hobgoblins, um, which was amazing so what, what is a bahir okay then? so a bahir is uh the best way to kind of categorize it is it's a a huge monstrosity uh think like uh long dragon-like body but like sleek like you know like like um, a chinese dragon but it has uh six pairs of legs and it, it's able to climb it uh it shoots lightning breath it's pretty nasty so that jumped my players and the fighting was great. My sorcerer took some steps back to get out of range and kind of walk away, did a perception check, another one right above him. So they got to fight two Bahirs at the same time, which was a ton of fun. Our uh, Goliath bard uh, ended up getting eaten and uh then cast polymorph on herself turned herself into a, a tyrannosaurus blew up the first bahir because how, how did you deal with that, that i kind of i kind of <laughs> i kind of went like so player is in the stomach yeah well the polymorphs thing is into a t-rex it, it, it how had, do you deal with that luckily it, it had 40 hit points left so okay. it wasn't okay. too much of a loss like it was like the first thing that happened i would be like this sucks, but if all of a sudden a person turns into a giant T-Rex, the thing's going to blow up anyway. So, you know, regardless, uh, I, I would have played it out that way because there's no other way around it, you know? Yes, and. Yes, yeah, and. Here we exactly. go. Blow it up. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, crap. T-Rex is in there. And then my sorcerer, who's uh, uh, he's got a couple go to spells. Uh, magic missile at like high levels being one of them so you know like guaranteed damage would pretty good you know it's a good strategy then also banish so rolled low banished and then they spent the next minute looking around the cave making sure there were no more behirs they found uh, a, an egg clutch which they destroyed and then surrounded the spot where the behir disappeared as soon as it popped back in started attacking it it got off a lightning breath um, did a little bit more damage, but they ended up killing it too. So it was a pretty good encounter. Uh, I was very proud of them. They were creative. Um, my goal every single time that I have something that can eat someone is to eat someone. I was able to do that. <laughs> um, however, it didn't last very long. So yeehaw. 
but so yeah it was, it was a lot of fun um so they got the the artifacts that they needed um didn't end up uh trying to you know skin take any sort of resources or anything off of the bahir which um they haven't really done it before but they're they're now in a a big trading city where those bits could have gotten them a lot uh but eh, whatever they chose not to so they left head back um and they're going to be uh turning that in and then uh going to dinner at the uh the guy's house who uh super duper rich guy who's uh fancy noble yeah exactly um oh also on top of that too uh as they were leaving town uh, I, I mentioned this last time in the last episode about the rumors of the gentlemen and, uh, you know, disappearances in like the, the high and midtowns. Well, as they left town through low town, um, they walked past a board that had a whole ton of different missing persons posters. So that seemed to be pretty up to date, not from years ago. So who knows what's up with that? So, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't you like to know? I don't know what's going on. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah but uh, what about you ryan i know that you have uh some really cool stories to tell and i'm actually been looking oh, forward to this i'm so excited so well first my my uh my now first campaign um flying the airship to this this uh wintry uh outpost essentially so that they can study its its properties and its its arcane uh, purpose and whatnot. They flew through this tendril of the endless storm, which in my world is this giant storm that goes over the mountains and sometimes puts out these long tendrils over villages or towns and sometimes cities uh, as kind of cover as storm giants usually will attack um, during that time. So they, <laughs> I was originally, it was super funny. Originally, I was going to kind of use it as, you know, background, just kind of stuff. So as they're flying over, they've got some some stealth stuff on the ship. They're mainly f- trying to fight the fight the storm or fight their way through the storm, uh, just to keep the ship aligned, keep giant hail from smashing into it, and that type of thing. But I was like, uh, someone rolled really good perception. You know, like you see these five storm giant figures coming down the mountain towards this village down below, and our Aarakocra goes, "I should go warn them." And I was just like, oh, no. And <laughs> so she flew, had to pass a bunch of checks, was able to get there first, ended up sort of warning them beforehand and then like booking it out of there somehow. Uh, she rolled really well before the storm giants got to the village, because that could have been a whole big thing. Oh, yeah. That's if that would have happened. Um, and then. uh I had our, our ranger had looked around and she had gotten really high on a perception check. And so I said she saw this giant, almost sky expansive serpentine like figure way, way above just in and out glimpses of uh, like when the lightning goes. So they're getting to the other side of the storm, like right before we um, kind of close it off because they're going to get to the north uh, this next session. And she was like, I do primal awareness for dragons. And I was just like, okay, I need you to make a wisdom saving throw. And it's a running joke uh, that she fails all slaving throws. And she failed this one. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, your character it doubles down in pain. The 
sense is so powerful. The awareness and the sense is so powerful and so great that like it hurts. And so they got introduced to uh, essentially a godlike dragon that <laughs> inhabits this uh, endless storm. Was not Dang. counting was not counting on that to happen at all, but it ended up being a really cool, fun, fun moment. Uh, and then I started my second campaign up after after my original campaign has ended with a brand new group, uh, a few few players from my my old one, and and some new people. And uh, characters are super fun: wizard, druid, uh, monk, and uh, artificer. Uh, a rabbit folk <laughs> artificer, yeah. which is super fun. <laughs> uh, and so they all were aboard the ship moving to go into another continent, looking for a fresh start storm happens. Um, no big deal until the dragon turtle shows up <laughs> and wants to get all the treasure from their ship. It doesn't know that they don't have treasure. And so I basically just, it wasn't combat. It was all theater of the mind, but we basically jumped around between people doing all sorts of things, firing javelins, trying to help people out as this turtle slowly ripped this ship apart and flooded things and ate people. And just <laughs> so that like the whole sequence, like a good chunk of the of this whole first session was basically just this. We've got to survive. And these are all level one characters. And so it was super fun playing around with that to see like how good did they do? Like how much is left with the ship survive intact? Spoilers. It did not. Uh, and just uh, like, like potential of drowning and how they were working together to try and save each other. I had a dwarven female cook, of the ship named Cookie, who is one of my favorite one-time characters I've ever played. <laughs> she was hilarious uh, and helped save uh, save a person uh, before getting thrown off the the ship herself. Uh, and it was just this huge sequence, like this huge epic sequence. Um, it was super fun. They all ended up surviving in various states of uh, of damaged. They made it to the shore of this continent that was not their own. And this continent, it turns out, thankfully, them had history knowledge of kind of what it is. And it's a continent that literally has is surrounded by mountains, fog and storms. It has two ports, a northern port and a southern port. And they trade with other continents, but they will not let anyone else, any outsiders through those towns into the continent proper on penalty of death. Mm. So they're on this continent where they know if they find civilization, they'll be in big trouble. And so they end up finding a cave, making their way through fighting some giant fire beetles uh, and punching them and kicking them. It's really fun with level one because you have to be really careful. Like talk about <laughs> encounter balance. You got to be really careful when your, your wizards got six hit points, not to go, <laughs> not to go too crazy, 
but it's also fun because these things they're fighting also have three and four hit points. <laughs> and so it ends up, so they made it all the way through. They get to the other side and unlike the outside, it is just jungle, like pure jungle inside this that almost uh, no other outsider eyes have ever seen. And that's kind of where we ended that. So it'll be a little bit of a, a survival campaign for for a few sessions uh so i'm really excited to kind of dive into that aspect of DD because it's not one i've really played with much like everyone's usually got they got their food all their food they got all their equipment you know all this sort of stuff and you just kind of hand wave it because you're very seldom in a spot where it's just like how many rations do you have left it's more just like you're smart your characters are smart they would have bought whatever they needed for a pittance at whatever town they were at. But in this case, they have next to no supplies. They're completely out of their element. They have no idea what is going to go on and what types of things are here. So that it gives me a really fun sandbox to play. That's really cool. I'm actually really excited to hear, you know, what else is going to happen with them and kind of how it plays out. Uh, especially when you have level one characters and a crit could mean their death. They did level to two. Okay. At the good. end of the session. <laughs> that's really good. It was the, you are the, generous. You are generous. <laughs> <laughs> the level, the level one worked out really well for the first session, but I, I usually like to get like new parties to level two or level three fairly quickly, just because you have such limited character options, mm-hmm. not to mention that the, the minuscule <laughs> amounts of health but you have very few character options so it opens it up a little more uh once you once they're two or three and then you can you can play with that for for a little bit very cool sorry that was a long-winded one that was brand new brand new campaign um so i'm very very excited and both of my campaigns are now playing every other week Ooh. so i i have dm D D almost weekly it's wow, never happened a lot before. of work man oh a lot i know of work. <laughs> it is it is but it isn't it's one of those things where it's just like if you enjoy doing it it's not not work if that makes sense or at least that's 100%. that's kind of how i feel about it and the the cool thing is both the campaigns are actually taking place simultaneously in my world in my homebrew world and so i have I know a lot more about it. I'm intimately familiar with it and I'm <laughs> creating it as I, as I go along. Sure. In fact, yeah, yeah. the players, these, these four players of this new campaign helped me create some towns and locations and such on the continent they came from and their backstories. And those became real. Like it's like this continent is not filled out very well. Uh, everyone, uh, work with me and we can we will create stuff and that will be real stuff and at some point uh, maybe years down the road if a campaign plays on that continent those things will still be there that's and that's so what i cool. love having about a homebrew world that can just continuously build as i run campaigns through it mm-hmm. and and stick and so that's 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 just one of the coolest things about it about D&D. Makes me giddy. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Uh, 
Thank you everyone so much uh, for listening. Um, thank you again to Jeff for coming and imparting a lot of uh, great knowledge to us uh, from what he learned from his, his first DM campaign. Uh, and then as always, before we go, Ben, why don't you tell everyone here quickly how we can be reached? You bet. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, something long form or stories that you want to share, you can always email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, though, and you know share your stories there or have something that's kind of short form that fits within 280 uh, characters, or you know if you want to do the little plus thing and add another tweet after it, you know you can really take those and chain them forever. But uh, whatever, if you want to find us on Twitter, you're at DN Discussions. Uh, me personally, I am at Ben Baumhofer. If you're looking for Ryan, he is at TBK Zord, and uh, as we said before, Jeff is at Mr. Jeff Reynolds. Now, if you're sitting here thinking, wow, this plus five to hit that they keep talking about and, you know, Ben and Ryan have talked about for weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, I want to hear that plus five to hit. Just, you know, look for it. it it's out there. Um, but this show, though, DN Discussions, if this is the first episode you've ever listened to and you, you know, like the feel of it, hey, we have 52 other episodes out there. Check them out. They're going to be on any sort of podcast player of your choice. So basically, if you're listening to us right now, like look at previous stuff we're there so yeah check us out awesome thanks ben and thanks everyone for listening we will see you all next time yep and until then be good to each other and goodbye